like us please to go to the book of Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 5. I'm continuing the thoughts that I <clears throat> began last week. I started some uh, ideas last week called just because and uh, just because meaning uh, if you were here last week I'm just referring to the reason God wanted us, the reason God saved us, the reason God prepared um, uh, this great sacrifice for us in the person of Jesus Christ was not to get us to do something for him. Uh, we were not a means to an end for God. He did all that just because he wanted us. And uh, I was kind of captivated by that theme and we went over that last week. We are the object of his affection. He's not trying to get us to fulfill an, a task. He's not trying to get us to fulfill an assignment for him. It was us that he wanted. He is the lover of our souls. He is the great redeemer. So uh, we, we are in this because he wanted us. And he is in this because he wanted us. Amen. Verse 5, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5 says, They serve as a sanctuary, at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why uh, Moses was warned when, uh, when he was about to build a tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Um, Moses had to build everything according to the pattern because it was a shadow of the of the real sanctuary, the real tabernacle, which is in heaven. Now, if we could put that picture up of the tabernacle. This is a, a picture of um, Moses' tabernacle that, that he built in the wilderness while the children of Israel uh, were traveling from Egypt to their promised land. This is a model of what it, it, it looked like. Now, it's important to understand that the, the main thing I wanted us to grab from, from this picture, and I wanted us to keep this in your mind for the remainder of today's, today's uh, message, is that this pattern was designed by God himself. This was God's preference. This was built according to God's instructions. So, you know, all of us come from maybe different church experiences, different church cultures. Maybe you've had a different spiritual experience on this side from the person on this side. And that's good, you know, everybody comes from different places, that's good. But this is God's design. This is God's pattern. This is where God is coming from. So, so it's good to know about this because uh, when we study about this, we understand the intentions of God. Amen? Uh, not only that, but this was given to Moses uh, while the children of Israel were in the wilderness. Uh, on their way to the promised land. When they got to the promised land, they took the promised land, they settled there. Um, after a season of judges, God raised kings, and uh, the, the, the second and third king of Israel, actually technically the fourth king, was King Solomon, who built a, tab a temple for the Lord. Okay, He built the temple, and the temple, David was the one who designed the temple, and David said, I built this design, or I made these plans, from the hand of God upon me. I received these plans from the hand of God upon me. And I think this is interesting because that tells me that God was interested in the tabernacle, but God was also interested in David's temple. But what we see in David's temple is that the pattern was the exact same as the tabernacle of Moses. And then the third time we see the tabernacle, it was in the time of Ezekiel when the children of Israel were in exile in Babylon. And in the, while they were in exile in Babylon, Ezekiel sees a vision, and in the vision he sees the details of another tabernacle, temple that God 
that God built and then the glory fell on the temple and all those things uh, but what we see in the in the case of the tabernacle in the case of the temple of, of Solomon in the case of the temple of Ezekiel all of them were designed after the same pattern now they, they were built with different materials because here um, this had to be lifted and moved because they were traveling in the wilderness but when they came to their promised land they built with actual actual stones and brick and, and then very precious wood and overlaid with gold in the inner courts. Come on, somebody. Just like my house. Uh, but, but the idea that I wanted to, to, to say is that this was God's design through the different dispensations of Israel's history. Meaning that whether they're in the wilderness on their way to the promised land, this is the pattern. Whether they're in, the mild, whether in their promised land, having settled and blessed with the reign of King Solomon who had a time of peace and, and, and great prosperity in Israel, this was still the same pattern. And then when they sinned and they were banished into Babylon as exiles, as, as, as uh, uh, slaves in Babylon, the pattern was exactly the same. You know what that tells me? That tells me that in life, life is always uh, full of uh, ver ver different variables, ups and downs. There's good days, there's bad days, there's ups, there's downs, there's hallelujah, there's hallelujah. Eh. Okay, so we go through like different seasons, but the pattern, regardless of the season, is always the same because the pattern comes from God. Okay, this is God's house. This is what God intended for us to access His presence, hallelujah. So, so regardless of what we're feeling today, this is how we find God. If it's a great day, hallelujah, this is how we find God. It's, it's a terrible day. Eh? See, we, we cannot use our circumstances to build our relationship with God. Because those are always subject to change. Eh? It's always the same pattern. This is His way. And if we want to find God, we have to engage with God on His terms. Not on, on our own terms. Amen? I'll let you. Okay, so what we were seeing here, and I'm just a bit of review and, and stuff. Uh, the priest, so that tent in the middle is the, the place where the, the, the glory, the presence, the real presence of God lived. What God is showing us is that you don't just walk into the presence of God. The first thing the priest encounters is this piece of furniture in the front called the brazen altar. The brazen altar is where a bull or a sheep or a goat or a pigeon would be, would be killed and the blood would be shed and the animal would be burned. Because the, the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. The priest is sinful. All mankind is sinful. Anything outside of the tabernacle is sinful. God is holy. If we go in straight into the presence of God, we will die because no one can see God's face in his sinful condition. Eh? Are you following what I'm saying? So something has to die. So a bull would be sacrificed. And we told the story about how that sacrifice or that uh, brazen altar, it's a symbol of Christ's sacrifice for us. All right? God told Moses that this is a pattern, a shadow of the realities we have in heaven. Okay? So that brazen altar is Christ. The reality is Christ. Do you remember when Jesus rose from the dead and Mary saw him and she wanted to grab onto him and Jesus said, Don't touch me. I have not yet gone to my father. What does that mean, why I'm going to my father? He was going as the sacrifice and the high priest together to present his own blood in the real tabernacle in heaven. Come on, somebody. All right? On all of our behalf. So, so when we come in, we don't come in with our own strength. 
It's either us are go that's going to die or the sacrifice is going to die. But either way, blood has to be shed. And Jesus took our place right there and his blood shed on our behalf. And that's why we call that the gospel. Yeah, that's the good news. All right. The second piece, right before the presence of God, the, the, the inner courts and the brazen altar, we have that, that bronze laver. And that laver, I told you last week, that's the place where the priest comes to wash his hands and wash his feet. But we also talked about the mirror-like bronze imaging that reflected the, the, the image of the priest so that he's not only uh, cleaned himself, but he also saw himself. And he saw himself as clean. All right. That means that w w what that translates for us as new covenant believers, the brazen altar is Christ's sacrifice, but the bronze laver is conscience. It, conscience in the most simplest form is how I see myself. All right. And, and that means that in light of what Christ has done, we need to see ourselves as clean now. Not because we got it all together super painty, eh? but because Christ provided us with a finished work and we see ourselves in, in a finished work. We are righteous in Christ, not because of what we did, but because what we have seen. Eh? A righteousness apart from the law has been revealed in Christ Jesus. It has not been given. If it has been revealed, that means I participated by seeing it. If I want to know how I'm looking, hmm, I cannot guess. I don't know. I, I don't have a clue about what I look like right now. If I want to know, I'll hold up a mirror and say, oh, Jesus, help us. <laughs> okay. The, the mirror doesn't lie. In the same way, if I have a question about my righteousness, I don't try to work harder and I don't try to guess. I just look at what Christ has revealed. And I say, whew, look at that. We're looking pretty good right now. But pastor, I missed prayer unusual last week. Eh? Thank God righteousness is not dependent on prayer unusual, church. Eh? Righteousness is dependent on the finished work of God. So, so the gospel and the conscience. Now let me break this down. The gospel is to be preached. Uh, but righteousness is not preached. Righteousness is taught. The Bible says that Philip came to the Ethiopian eunuch. That's our favorite uh, passage of scripture in Ethiopia. But the Bible says that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading the, 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 the story of uh, the, uh, reading the prophet Isaiah, wondering what this means. And the Bible says that Philip preached to him Jesus. Jesus is to be preached. All right. To preach means to herald or to declare or proclaim. Okay. The gospel is to be preached. Jesus saves. Preached. Christ is risen from the dead. Repent and be saved, all of you. It's like a, a wake up call eh, to the sleeping sinner. Wake up. Lazarus, come forth. Gospel is what? Gospel is what? Gospel is preached. But, but righteousness is taught. Hmm? The Bible says that through uh, Hebrews chapter 5, chapter 5, I did a teaching about this one time. It says how uh, there is this thing in the New Testament church that was called the teaching about righteousness. And through the teaching about righteousness, people would grow from infancy to maturity through the teaching about righteousness. So gospel is preached, righteousness is taught. Uh, maybe if I could use an example that's very close to home for us here in Africa. Uh, in this part of the world, the last several decades has introduced us to this thing called a coup d'etat. Mm? 
a coup d'etat. In Amharic language, we call it Fankalamangist. Amen? Everyone laughs because we know exactly what we're talking about. No questions. But typically what happens in a coup d'etat is that the, the military or some rebelli rebellious group comes in and they over overthrow the government. Right? And then they get on the TV and on the radio and they make an announcement. Awaj, awaj. Okay? There has been a coup. There is a new military in town, a new king in town. So and so was in charge, but now I am in charge. Awaj, awaj. It's not a teaching, it's a proclamation. It's a declaration and everybody in the realm of that kingdom, and if you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about, everybody kind of frees. Okay, everything has changed now. But notice, we know that everything has changed. We know somebody else is in charge, but we have no idea uh, what the new policy is, what the new constitution is. That is taught. The constitution is changed and it is disseminated to everybody. And we are taught now that so-and-so is king, this is how we operate in this new, in this new uh, government. But the idea is that we're, we're very used to this. The idea, there's a proclamation and then there's a teaching. In the same way, when Jesus rose from the dead, there was a proclamation. There is a new king in, in, in town. There is a new government. There has been a shift in policy, shift in government. Jesus has risen from the dead. He is king of kings and lord of lords. Proclamation. Repent and be saved for the forgiveness of sins. Proclamation. Okay? That's the good news. But the, 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 the righteousness, we don't announce that. That's not preaching. That's teaching. Teaching how to live now in this new kingdom. All right? And, and I would like to suggest that the enemy, his favorite place to set up shop is in that, that, that lever right there. Just to create confusion there so we don't understand the terms of this kingdom. The terms of this kingdom is that now because Christ has risen from the dead, now because we are new, uh, Christ has, has provided us with a finished work, we are now a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We are brand new. Look at the mirror. This is who you are. Hallelujah. Because of what Christ has done. All right? But these things are not preached. They are, they are taught. All right? Mm. Righteousness is taught. Righteousness unplucks and uh, uproots and plants. It tears down and it builds up, so that we know how to function in this new, uh, in, in this new government, in this new administration. Come on, somebody. Uh, we are the righteousness of God because of what He did, not because of. Now the enemy would love to mess with us. He messes more with that. He cannot stop Jesus from rising from the dead, but he will stop you from seeing yourself as righteous. Yes, he will. In fact, he works overtime to ensure that you know God, but hate yourself. Love God, but hate yourself. Love God, but act like the devil himself. I've been in church a long time. I know what I'm talking about. All right. The question is, how could this happen in such a glorious gospel? It's not because there is something wrong with what Christ has provided for us, but there is something wrong with how we see ourselves. In light of what Christ has done. Oh, hallelujah. Today we expose the devil's tricks today. And we get some, some righteousness on in Jesus' name. Um, you know, what I've, what I've seen is that because of the confusion with that labor, it creates all kinds of funny and weird Christianity. Sometimes we mix, mix up the order. Like we put the labor in front of the brazen altar. Like flip the two around. You don't do one, three. You always do one, two, three. You don't do 2-1-3 or 3-1-2. It's 1-2-3. Three. 
Come on, class, you want to, you, so you, you didn't learn this in school? Yeah? Okay, maybe you did not learn. In my school, they taught us how to count. One, two, three, it goes in that order. All right, that is progressive development from one level to the next. You don't skip steps, okay? And in the same way, you don't skip steps with this. I've, I've seen how danger it is, it, dangerous it is when we put the labor before the brazen altar. And that's how many of us get, get trapped, meaning we try to uh, get clean before we come to Jesus. Hmm? That's what happened with Adam and Eve. All right? We try to get right before we get to Jesus. No, there is no such thing as getting right. If it was possible for us to get right and then come to Jesus, then there would be no need for Jesus in the first place. He came because we're all a mess. Welcome to the club. Even, dare I say it, pastor, uh, sometimes. Mess. But he has provided us with the finished, finished work, so we see ourselves in light of that finished work. If, if we skip the protocol, we won't get into the presence of God. We'll get into something else. And because we mess the order, we get into this funny spirituality. You know, weird, weird, you know, man of God, supreme, mm, touch and kiss my finger type of stuff. Uh, or, or if you bring me X amount, then the Lord will ensure that you bless me. Or you know how it is in the church, you know, don't do that, you know, exactly. Yeah? You know, like daddy will get mad at you. <laughs> daddy will beat you. Don't do that. So we think, oh, daddy, God's going to beat me. God is not in the beating business. The only one who was beat was Jesus himself. All right. So if someone is here who has been swindled into these tricks and this spiritual juju, just go back to God's pattern. The Bible says, Jesus said these words in fact. He said, my sheep know my voice and they will not listen to another. So the question is, are you a sheep or are you not a sheep? Because if you are a sheep, you know the voice of, of your shepherd. Hallelujah. That does not mean we don't need pastors and church leaders. Come on, somebody. I was waiting for the big amen and hallelujah on that point. But the job of the, the, of the pastors, the shepherds, the apostles, the teachers is supposed to point to the one main shepherd, the head of the church, Jesus Christ. And to connect the sheep to the shepherd so the she sheep can hear the shepherd's voice for themselves. Okay? Amen. There's the pattern that God has given and it's important to follow the pattern because that's the way into the presence of God. If I want to listen to my favorite radio station, you don't tune into the radio station by desire alone. Hmm? Desire is good, but desire won't open the radio for you. Come on, somebody. First, you have to turn on the radio. But that's not good enough either. After you turn it on, you have to tune the radio to the right frequency, radio frequency. And that's how all of a sudden the voice that they're speaking over there becomes home right here. It's the same way with the presence of God. Just desiring the presence of God is good, but that's not good enough. He doesn't open the floodgates of heaven because you have a desire. He opens the floodgates of heaven. He tears the curtain because Jesus said it is finished. Hallelujah. So, so this pattern is how we access his presence we have to go through this pattern to access his presence there's no shortcut there's no super hyper spiritual going up on a mountain standing on one foot until the sun comes up come on somebody eh? this is the pattern this came from God himself this is the way into the presence of God hallelujah amen amen so we have to see what he has done but we also have to see ourselves in light of what he has done the whole spirit world is fought over that that bronze labor right there. The enemy wants to know. There's a story in Acts chapter 19 uh, and verse number 
Um, let's start in verse number 13. It says, Some Jews went around driving out evil spirits, trying to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. And he gave him such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. It said, one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know and I know about Paul, but who are you? Uh... Let's pay attention to this. It's the demon that's asking. Hmm? The demon asks, who are you? The demon did not ask, where did you come from? Yeah. What are you carrying with you? Is that a sword in your hand? Do you have a stone that you're ready to beat me with? Yeah. He was not worried about that. He wanted to know the question, who, who are you? There's something about knowing who you are that becomes problematic for the spirit world. Demon is a spirit. We are both spirit and flesh. The demon wants to know, yeah, the spirit world wants to know, that question came from the spirit realm, who are you? Because the, what hangs in the balance of that question is who overpowers who. Not in how strong you are, not in how many Bible verses you memorized, but in who are you? Meaning we overcome the, 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 the demonic forces, hallelujah. In how we answer, who are you? The Bible says in Revelation 17 that the, the, they made war on the Lamb. The beasts made war on the Lamb of God. But He overcame them because He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And those who were with Him overcame with Him also. Praise the Lord. So Jesus Himself overcame the devil not through a sword or through a gun. He overcame him by who He was. Because he is the king of kings and because he is the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. And I would like to suggest to somebody that your power over every demonic force, over every witchcraft, juju, muart, inkola, Buddha, mnamen, your power over that is exclusively tied to who are you? And I think the reason we have struggles is because we answer wrongly. Yeah? We don't see ourselves properly in light of the brazen, uh, bronze laver. We don't see the righteousness of God when we see us. Do you remember the story? There was a story. Jesus, uh, the disciples were fishing and Jesus said, Did you catch anything? And they said, We have not caught anything. He says, Throw your net on the other side. So they threw their nets on the other side and they caught so many fish. you remember the story? After that, they brought their, their nets in and Peter came to Jesus and fell at his feet. And he says, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. You remember that? I thought it was interesting. Peter said, go away from me, Lord. I, I, he saw himself as sinful. What does that mean? It means he sees himself in light of what he has done. Me and what I have done are the same. Hmm? I have done sin, therefore I am sinful. Go away from me, Lord. Some of us take our identity from what we have done. Hmm? And, and that can be dangerous either whether we've done good or bad. Because none of that matters when it comes to the brazen altar. The only thing that matters when it comes to sorry, the bronze laver is not what we have done, but what he has done. That's why we wash our, our hands, what we have done. Some of us 
Eh? We draw our identity, even as children of God, from our tribe or our ethnicity, our language, our nationality, our race, our color. Hmm? It got quiet in the house of God. Our family, our tribe, our people, that is where we come from. But that is not who we are. What we have done is what we have done. But that is not who we are. We have washed our hands, everything we have done. We have washed our feet, every place we have been. Hallelujah. Well, what does that mean? What does that leave us with? The Bible says that if any man be in Christ Jesus, new creation, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become one of the greatest problems, and I've seen this even studying church history, one of the greatest problems, the greatest complications, the things that messed up the testimony of the church is when we mixed our ethnicity and our spirituality together. Eh? What a trick the enemy has. So, so if you've come favoring your people, or if you have a lunch appointment with your people after Sunday church today, I would invite you just to drop that ethnicity card here at the altar in Jesus' name. You may have come from that tribe, but you are not that tribe. Especially if you are in Christ, you are new creation. I speak this in the capital of Africa where tribalistic tendencies and ethnic divisions have butchered our, 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 our societies and left our societies so confused. I have pastor friends all over that every election cycles, some of them have to even put down the mic because the church gets so riled up with, 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 with elections. The devil is a liar. If this is the house of God, it's the house of God. Okay? And if it's really the house of God, and if we are really the people of God, we do not take any identity from flesh and blood. We don't even see each other as flesh and blood. This is the house of God. Christ is the head of the church. He is the head of this church. Hallelujah. And He is in charge. And all we know is that we have washed everything that was hallelujah to become what he says we are we cannot have two at the same time our relationship with christ the bible describes it as a marriage relationship christ is the bridegroom the church is the bride now i've i've done so many weddings i can't even count over 200 something weddings i've personally done you know, you know in, in football, when a, a player plays for the national team, he gets what they call caps. Yeah? Have you heard of that? And, and based on how many caps they have, it's like some kind of a status, right? I have over 200 caps in the spiritual. Hmm? They don't give me any recognition, no nothing, no appreciation. Yeah? Let's talk about that one day. Not now, but let's have a serious meeting about that. Some kind of you know, financial compensation or blessing or we'll talk about that. Hmm? Uh, I, I've done it so much, I, I can do it with my eyes closed now. Hmm? Whatever, you, I'm just like full, full service. But, but the thing is, when you, now this is more, we don't have this culture here in Ethiopia. And I think our, our, our marriage culture is just fine. I wouldn't touch it because I think ours is in some ways more biblical. But sometimes also Western uh, marriage culture is also... Uh, biblical, but for different reasons, coming from different angles, okay? Uh, but uh, I thought that the Western um, marriage culture is interesting because the husband and the wife will come and they will pronounce their vows and they will say these two words, hmm? I do. Uh, not I will 
Eh? Not, I, I, let me do my homework. No, let me get cleaned up. It's just I do. It's like a, a, it's an act of the will. Okay? But based on that act of the will, all right, what happens is as soon as they say I do, then the wife takes on the name of her husband. So if the, 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 the husband's name is, uh, give me a, a good uh, Western name, Jones. If the husband's name is Jones and the woman's name is Dereje, okay? Mimi Dereje marries Jones, uh, Mike Jones. Come on, somebody. Hmm? And we say, I do. Immediately, she stops becoming Mimi Dereje right there. She becomes Mimi Jones. So that means from that moment, uh, number one, her identity is completely changed. She does not sign Dereji. She forgets how to write Dereji. Hmm? And she signs, like so, sometimes they have to go to, to like banks and, and legal transactions and change the name. Come on, somebody. Because you are no longer Dereji. You are now Jun. Not only that, but everything that Mr. Jones has is now completely belongs to Mimi. Hmm? So identity brings with it everything that belongs to join. They have become, they have become one. You cannot separate the two. Now, 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 now this, is, this is a good picture of what happens at the labor. How much did Mimi pay? Nothing. How far did she travel? Nowhere. Uh, how much righteousness did she have to bring to the table? Nothing. All she had to do was be willing because he was already willing. And he was willing. And she was willing. Game over. I feel the wedding anointing vibes coming in the room. Mm. Mm. The wind is blowing. We made that announcement, right, honey? We, yeah. Lord help us. We need more counselors in Jesus' name. All right? But the point is, everything changed when you, when you were willing. So, so it's kind of the same thing with the labor. We did not deserve this righteousness. We did not deserve this blessing. But we are, we are called by His name. Hallelujah. Who are you? Ah, Mimi Dereja. I'm not responding to Mimi Dereja anymore. I was Mimi Dereja. I don't respond because that's not... <laughs> I'm now Mimi Jones. Call me Jones. Eh? Praise the Lord. Are you following what I'm saying? That's exactly what happened with Ruth. Everything changed for Ruth. The Bible says that Ruth, Ruth was, was uh, gleaning grain in the field of Boaz. She was just an employee along with all the other employees. But one day Boaz, Boaz looked at her and he took a liking to her and she looked a liking to him and they both were willing and because they were willing, boom! Eh? Ruth became Mrs. Boaz. Now, not only did she become Mrs. Boaz, but the field that she was working in, hmm? now she becomes the owner of the whole field. It's, it, it's, it's, it's changed her status, it's changed everything uh, uh, about her. So she does not walk in the field like someone who's gleaning. Now, everybody, and it creates a little bit of problem I can understand because all her friends that she used to work with, now she's the boss. Yeah, let's pray for Mrs. Boaz. But you know what? I don't think she really minds now because she knows who she is. Mm. And I would like to suggest to you that when you were willing 
Hallelujah. To get with God. When you said yes to Jesus, when you said I do, hallelujah, you are not known by your name anymore. You are known by him. Hallelujah. And not only are you known by him, are you ready? Everything that he has is yours. That means that you should walk differently when you walk around this earth. Hmm? Because you are co-owner of everything. Somebody forgot to say amen right there. No, we, we are one with him. Don't be confused. He is here and we are there. What can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Apostle Paul, he was persecuting the church. He was going from house to house and, and persecuting. And then he got letters to go to Damascus eh? before he was Apostle Paul, when he was Saul. He got letters to go to Damascus to persecute and put, uh, arrest the, the Christians there. Am I right about it? Yeah? Remember that story? The Bible says he was on his way on the Damascus road. And all of a sudden there was a blinding light that came and, and shone on him. And he fell and he asked these questions. Who are you, Lord? Or, or no, the, the first Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul, Saul said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Hallelujah. Did you see that? Jesus did not say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting them? He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because me and them is one. They have said yes, and I have said yes. This is family business. You're getting in the way of a marriage. That means everything that happens to them affects me, but also everything that is mine is also theirs. You cannot separate the two. Hallelujah. So, so what this does, number one, it gives us so much appreciation, hallelujah, for, for what he has done. It causes us to enter into his presence. It causes us to understand what we didn't understand before, that we are new creation and everything that the Father has is, Lord Jesus, this is good preaching. Hmm? Uh, how you see yourself, it, it, it determines your expectation levels. All right? And expectation is such an important part of our, our kingdom, kingdom experience. Uh, I just wanted to settle once and for all. If you are in him, if you said I do, you are in, you are righteous. It doesn't matter necessarily what you have to. Now, that's, that's not giving license to do whatever we want. Hallelujah, we are free. Actually, what I found out is that the sin that we do, all right, it does not change God's love for us. But it creates complications for us. Sin has its own punishment built within itself. All right? Meaning that if you go and slap him, ask for forgiveness, God will forgive you, but he won't. I mean, the, the person you slap, they won't. There's consequences to mess. The punishment is built in slapping other people. So you stop slapping other people, not for righteousness sake, but just for your own, <laughs> for your own protection. Come on, somebody. Amen, amen? But the righteousness that you have from God, it's not come from, I didn't slap him, I'm righteous. It's come as a free gift. The Bible says that there was a wedding banquet. And at the wedding banquet, uh, the, the, the master of the banquet came to the wedding. And the Bible says that he saw the good and the bad. All the people were invited, the good and the bad, Matthew 22. And the wed master of the banquet came and he saw everyone at the banquet. And he saw the good and he saw the bad. And then he saw someone who didn't have any clothes. And he says, well, how come you didn't have any clothes? And he didn't have any response. He was speechless and he threw him out where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. In my book, I would keep the good and kick out the bad. 
But God does not look at us that way. He looks at us through clothes or no clothes. And we know that Christ is our clothes. Hallelujah. We either said yes to Christ or we didn't. Hallelujah. And our righteousness in his sight is based on the clothes that we have. And I don't know about you. I came very, very clothed, clothed today. Hallelujah. It changes your expectation. It changes your status. I, Paul said, I am what I am. By the grace of God. Hallelujah. And I would like to suggest to somebody today that you are what you are by the grace of God. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you like Peter, I am a sinner, go away from me. Adam and Eve saw themselves differently and they turned left instead of going in. They ran from the presence of God. But we, in, by way of Christ Jesus, we see ourselves correctly and we go straight into his presence. Everything that the Father has is ours. Hallelujah. So it changes our expectation. It changes what we expect from God. When we came to this country, we did not come because we read the news, news, news reports about Ethiopia. And thank God we didn't. But we believe that we have heard from our good shepherd. We believe that we have heard from our bridegroom. And we believe that even now in the midst of this chaos, that God has something beautiful and ridiculously blessed in store for this nation. We believe that this continent is in for a blessing. The next, everybody has had their hand in this continent. And now we're going to see God step in and show off in this continent. Amen. The hands of begging shall turn to hands of blessing. Hallelujah. That rivers of God will flow from this nation, from this continent to be a blessing to all nations of the world. Now, now let me tell you why my confidence is. I would never ever dare to say something like this on my own. Because I know who I am. But I'm not coming in my name. Hallelujah. Have you heard the story of the elephant and the mouse? The Lord brought this up at, at prayer on, 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 on Friday. And we, we took on our elephant and mouse. Shandai, Shandai, Shandai. Eh? The elephant and the mouse. Have you heard that? How many have heard about the elephant and the mouse? Everybody. Okay, never mind. Um, have you heard about the... <laughs> you see, the mouse got on the back of the elephant. And the elephant crossed the bridge. See? When the elephant crossed the bridge, the whole bridge shook with thunder and swayed it almost capsized and they shook the whole bridge and they got to the other side and the mouse crawled to the elephant's ear and said we shook that bridge didn't we hallelujah that's what i'm talking about all the mouse did was jump on the back of the elephant all we did was say a little yes to jesus and he said i'll take it from here let's go shake some bridges Let's go change the world. Let's go bring righteousness and justice to the nations. Hallelujah. Let's redeem this nation and nations in righteousness. Hallelujah. Uh, Where's the proposal? Ask the elephant. Hmm? With no disrespect. I don't mean to call you an elephant, but for the purpose of the illustration. Hmm? Uh, How will this be accomplished? Don't ask me. Ask the elephant. Hmm? How will he shake these things? I have no idea. Don't ask me. I know I have heard, hallelujah, from the Lord. And there's something locked in here that when it's released, people will see who he is. The world will see who he is and know who he is. Hallelujah. And we know in part and we prophesy in part. But what we have seen already is enough. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So, so... 
I, I, I don't want us to leave today with dirty hands or dirty feet. Uh, we don't draw who we are from what we've done. We don't draw who we are from where we come from. If we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father God. We give you praise.